Uh, gentlemen, as you know, we have gone through the series of intimacy, uh, in intimacy with Christ and intimacy with God and intimacy with the Father. And as a, a good friend of mine, Joe, gave me a note a couple of weeks ago. It says, into him I see, or into, into me see. Lord, into me see the things that I need. Into me see the things that you want for me. Intimacy is what we want to live for. And as I said to you before, I used to think intimacy was only exclusive to the bedroom. And by God's grace, I'm so thankful that let him, for him to show me again and again, that intimacy is not led to just only the bedroom, but the intimacy is him taking a microscope and giving it to, I mean microscope, a magnifying glass and saying, Andy, this is the things I want you to see in my word. I want you to see me up close and personal. As each of you know, if you have one of these things, anything that you have gets magnified through the, the lens of this particular thing. The Bible is that way. God's word is an opening thing where he wants you to look deeper into him and he will allow you to see the things that you need to drop to come closer to him. So through this series, um, I had the opportunity <clears throat> a few a year or so ago, actually it's been almost two years now, to, um, to meet the young man that you're going to be able to see. And yes, I can say young man because I'm twice as old as he is. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, but who's counting? Thank you. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Wesley, how I actually met him. One day he came to church, and needless to say, he's a physically fit man, and I thought maybe, you know, <clears throat> he got much on me yeah. <laughs> until I touched him <laughs> and realized that's all muscle, and uh, mine was round, round fat. But anyway, I met Wes when he came to church one day, and he took his kids back to the children's ministry, and then he came back. And I was like, Okay, and he came a couple times. He went back, brought his kids in. Finally, I said, so what do you do for a living? He says, I play football. I said, really? Who do you play football for? Tennessee Titans. I said, they have a football team, huh? Didn't know about that. <laughs> I say that because I'm a diehard Miami Dolphins fan. <clears throat> so he says, yeah, I play football. And I said, okay, well, I'd love to, you know, what's your number and what do you play? And he tells me this kind of stuff. So we exchanged telephone numbers. And I said, you know, I'll text you and well, I'll be praying for you. Just let you know. He goes, he said, just pray for me. I said, I'll be, I'll be praying for you every once in a while. So I prayed for him and I texted him a couple times through the season. Never heard from him. And I told him, I said, I'm not a groupie. I don't care how famous you are or how much you don't know. I'm not a groupie, period. I'm just not going to. So I texted him twice. So when he came back this next season, I walked up to him and said, can I see your phone? He hands me his phone. I said, so it does work, right? <laughs> okay, I text you. You didn't text me. I don't play that game. I text you twice. You don't call me back. That's not a problem. So we'll make a long story short, Wesley and I now text back and forth. And he's actually... <laughs> Texted him a couple times after a game, and to my surprise, he said, hey, man, I'm, I'm surprised me. Text me back. So now we've become friends through that. But let me tell you the reason I actually liked Wesley. It wasn't because of the fact that he played football. It's when he went back to the children's ministry with his kids, and I saw that they were a priority. After church, he went and picked up his kids and his family, and I saw that they were a priority. I saw how he was loving his wife. That was a priority. And that was the thing that really attracted me to this man. It wasn't because he plays sports, because just because he owns more pair of pants than I do, he still puts them on the same way I do. And just because he gets to play a game that every one of us wishes we could do, because we'll sit on the couch and say, he should have tackled that guy. We can't even get off the toilet bowl sometimes without pain. But Wesley did that. So I don't have all the stats because it's not what's impressive to me. But I can tell you that what I do know about this man, he's a husband of one. He's got three beautiful children and he's got a Lord of one. 
And so I've asked Wes to come along, and he said, hey, man, I'll be more than happy to do that. I would be love to do that. And you're in for a treat because this young man is a man that is a man of integrity. He's a man that's after God's own heart. And he's a man who's actually asked me, and he's given me the honor to pray for him throughout the course of the, week, uh, course of the year and over his family and with his family. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Wesley Woodyard. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here amongst my brothers. Uh, so, you know, I was just sharing with the guys out there. It's always good to be with a group of guys from different backgrounds because we're all under the same creed, and that's the Jesus, blood of Jesus Christ and our Lord and Savior. So... Uh, like Andy said, I'm going in. I'm going into year 11 and into my NFL career, and it's just I've been so blessed. I've uh, came from I didn't get drafted, so the odds of making a team in the NFL are slim to none when you go undrafted. Even though there are more undrafted guys in the NFL than drafted players, but uh, like I said, I've been truly blessed. Uh, I went through a dark period of time. We'll go through we'll go through that in the discussion, so you guys can know more about me. But I'm from Lagrange, Georgia. I went to school at the University of Kentucky. So go get go Cats, Big Blue, and I uh, played six years in Denver. And I spent uh, five. This is my fifth year in Tennessee. And like Andy said. He was the first person to tackle me in church for not texting him back. So, <laughs> so uh, I will start this thing off. And just thank you so much for allowing me to be here. And thank you all for coming today. Well, as we talked about uh, throughout the course of the thing, Wes, um, I text these questions back and forth to Wes, and we've been talking through the process, and uh, we've been talking about intimacy and how is it modeled for you. Um, but before we get into that, um, I do want to tell you that this is the first jersey that's ever adorned this body, this old body of mine, because I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. And when I walked into church the first time wearing this, vet, uh, wearing this, uh, people actually started to ask me, is there an exorcism going on? Because <laughs> you're a Miami Dolphins fan, and people know you bleed the Dolphins. Dolphins. And so when I showed him that, he actually signed it on the back, which uh, we did write some love letters on the back of this so people just don't think I got it out of a store. Um, why don't you tell us about your family, if you don't mind? Can you give me a little bit about who you are and what your family is? And probably be easier if you sit on this side over here. And uh, tell us about your family and, uh, and um, how many you got, and we'll go from there. Okay. Um... Well, we'll start with my uh, born family. Um, I'm the youngest of my mom's two kids, and I am the oldest of my dad's three kids. Of course, we all know how single-parent homes and stuff work, but uh, challenging, but hey, I made it. <laughs> but uh, I have um, three kids. My oldest son is Grayson. He's four years old. My daughter, Noah, she's two, and I have a younger daughter, uh, Luca, that's one. So you can know they give my wife a lot of a lot of payback for her time back in the day in Cincinnati. So uh, my wife, Veronica, we met during the lockout in Miami in 2010. And when I can say, as a child, yeah, I used to always pray, God, you know, you know, send me a God, a God-fearing woman, you know, God put a woman in my life. And when I say it was one of those times in my life that I just really didn't even expect it, during the lockout season is when there are no OTAs in the NFL. We didn't know when we were going to go back to work. So the only two things we were doing were working out and partying. That's all we did the whole offseason. And I was in the midst of uh, going to just finish a workout, morning workout. We rushed to get in our cars, rushed over to uh, downtown Miami, getting ready to get on a yacht. 
And at the time, uh, a guy named Reggie Bush, and you may know a Dolphins fan, <laughs> Reggie Bush invited us to this big yacht party. And it's like, uh, we get on the boat, you know, we kick our little shoes off and like we walk to the front and there's like a hundred women on the boat. And we're like, oh yeah, this is, this is good. So long story short, we get back to the back of the boat. They kick us off the boat. It was like, yeah, you guys aren't welcome here. So we're, me and my friends, we're sitting and there's this uh, Jamaican band playing the music and we're like, we got to find something to do. And one of our friends started singing this song. And uh, it was like, uh, kicked off the boat. Oh, <laughs> we got kicked off the boat. <laughs> so so we, we end up going to uh, just somewhere else to just, you know, sit and chill and just enjoy the rest of the day. And all of a sudden, this woman walks past. And it's my sister's, uh, I mean, it's my wife's sister. She walks past. And my friend is like, hey, there's these two girls over here. I need somebody to go and talk to. So... It's me, my uh, my close friend John uh, John Beeson, and his best friend, and I'm like, uh, well, you should go. That's that's your best friend. You should go and talk to him. And his best friend is saying, I'm like, okay, I'll go and talk to him. But that's that's how that's just how God works. And it doesn't matter any situation you're in, He can come in and take over it. So we go over and we start talking to these women. You know, at the time I didn't know. That, that was, this would be my wife, even though I tell my wife all the time, when I first saw you, you fell in love with me. So, <laughs> so literally from that day, we met at the Mondrian Hotel. We've been just, we've never been separated. We read the uh, Purpose Driven Life. We did the 40-day challenge. We, and it was just like, she brought me from that dark place uh, in Denver where I originally was with a coach and I just you know I fell from to me I thought I just fell from the grace of God you know I was like you know I'm in this situation God doesn't love me God doesn't care for me I stopped praying and I kind of look at that as the relationship that I had with my father and as men we sometimes try to put God in a box that he doesn't belong in because he can never fit in any box that we want to put him in regardless so it's just like um I'm searching, and, and at the end of the day, I'm continuing to search, and my time, and I want God to fix it for me now, but it's like God fixes when he wants to, but I just, you know, like I said, I tried to kind of put God with my father, but that relationship never matched up, so God answered my prayers, you know, some 20 years later that, you know, in the midst of you thinking you're going to be partying and enjoying your life, I'm going to slow you down and sit you down, and if, to me, it was for the better of my life. Um, my career, I've made more money since I met my wife. I had more success. I have now have three kids that I prayed for for years. And it's just been a complete blessing that God brought her into my life. So I tell her she's my life savior all the time. So, man, my wife, Veronica, I love her to death. <laughs> If you ever get a chance to see his kids, they are some of the sweetest kids. And you know, one day, his wife, Veronica, uh, she was holding... What's your baby's name? Uh, Luca. Luca. And Luca just reaches over and she just comes right to me and just gets right in my arms. And she, Veronica turns on and looks at me and she says, she won't even go to her own grandfather that way. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. So I get to hold his babies quite often when they come to church. And uh, and his wife is just a doll. We went out to lunch one day and um, he had to keep checking with the boss every time we got ready to go do something. It's like, you want to go do one? No, I got to go check with the boss. So we all understand that if you're married and you've got a wife, you know who really is the boss in your family, right? A linebacker. 
knocking people over all the time, but he's got to talk to this little lady to make sure that he gets his stuff right. You know, you alluded to, I'm going to st uh, step away from some of the questions here. And if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a little bit about because these guys uh, had a chance to go through these six questions over the last couple of weeks that we did. But um, really, they want to know more about you and how, what does it mean to be uh, in the NFL? What does it mean to be kicked off of a team? Or I'm not sure exactly what that happened because I told you I'm not a groupie uh, unless you were Dan Marino. And we both know that's not happening. <laughs> Then I would just, you know, accept the fact that he didn't text me. But um, what is it like to be playing a game that you love? I mean, we all grew up playing football in the backyard or tossing the ball in the backyard. And, you know, we see people on television and think we can run faster than them or we can tackle harder than them or we can throw farther than them. But you've gotten to play with some of the best. As you said, you've knocked over Brady a couple of times. Thank you very much for that. Next time you see him, make sure you hurt him that he cannot play against us. Um, but what is it like to be in the NFL, to do what you do, and to wake up every morning and realize, as you've alluded to, the blessing that God has given you to do that game? Again, uh, I have to go back to my childhood days. Uh, when I was six years old, like I said, I, I, was, I was a child like searching for the relationship with my father, and it just I never really received it. You know, I, to this day, me and my father, we have a great relationship because I opened up to him about that. But... When I was six, I was troubled in the school, just talking all the time, not listening to the teachers, you know, kind of like a lot of kids. Probably most of you did the same thing. But my mom introduced me to this game of football. And the thing about sports is it teaches you a lot of great things about discipline, teamwork, sac uh, self-sacrifice and loyalty and just being able to be dependent on. So. I started playing this game and I really found it really exciting and I started loving it and I started caring about it. More more about playing video games, more about being outside with my friends. I wanted to play football and I'll never forget the first time I got into trouble. And my mom was like, okay, we're not going to football practice and you're not playing any games. I immediately started crying and I was like, mom, I'll never do it again. Don't take football away from me. And I think she knew in her head that, hey, I got him. I finally found something that, <laughs> that, that I can take away from him that would mean more than anything. You know, she's tried taking away video games. That didn't work. I'll just sneak on it when you go to sleep. So, you know, she's tried to take football away from me, and it meant something to me. So to be playing this game, like I said, I've been so blessed. Um, to play this game and be successful. I went to LaGrange High where we went 51 and three through my four years in high school, won two state championships. Um, I'm not heavily recruited out of high school, and uh, I I started getting a lot of recruit, recruiting offers my senior year. And by the, this guy named Joker Phillip comes and visits me and gives me an offer. Uh, well, he he tells me we, they want to offer you at the University of Kentucky, but Coach Rich Brooks wants to see you. So I go up to the University of Kentucky, and kind of like Andy, it's like. There are only a few men that will put their hands on you, and it's just like as soon as they touch you, you know that they're God sent. And uh, Coach Rich Brooks put his hand on my shoulder, and he was like, you know, you're one of the guys that we need in this program to change around, change this program around. And it was just like I looked up to him, and from that day, you know, I took that as in like, hey, he's dependent on me to to do things right. So I got on campus there and I just, you know, I, I led by action. You know, I was a member of the FCA. You know, I, I worked hard uh, my first year. That freshman year was 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 a doozy <laughs> that flew by. But um, 
I just I excel because I have fun and I enjoy this game. And like I said, I pray as a little child to be able to play this game every day of my single life and just to enjoy it. And now that I'm on playing football on Sunday, the first prayer that I always pray for is God, you know, please allow me to use my gifts to further your kingdom and to allow somebody to see my see me playing and wonder where is he getting his strength from? And for me to be able to tell him that it came from God above. So, like I said, it's just a complete blessing to be able to play that God gave me these gifts and as he's allowing me to play this game. So, I just enjoy it and I'm still loving it like a little kid out there because I'm playing for God. And, and I can say in this game, you get so caught up. You can get so caught up with, hey, my boss is not trans. And it, we like to say football is like an everyday job because we check in at six o'clock and we get off at six too. So it's like you can you can use it and think about it as the same way in your job. You know, your your boss is being mean to you or your boss is not giving you the advances that you want. And I'll never forget a veteran came to me. I got benched. So I've never been cut, never been kicked off a team, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, but I have been benched before. And that's like one of the most humiliating things one of the most humbling things at the same time and I was pouting walking around and a veteran came up to me he was like ah you thought that this couldn't happen to you didn't you and I was like man what are you talking about like just get away from telling some no he was like you're not playing for these coaches you're playing for God like whenever you realize that you're not playing for another man and you can never satisfy another man then you understand like your true purpose in this game of football so at a at an early stage in my career year four I was able to find that out that hey man no matter what men that are controlling me can never take away something that God has for me so that's something that I learned and, and I still love this game I think that's worth it <laughs> well I know one of the things you're doing is you're being pretty humble about what's going on and a little bit that I do know about you is that they call you Captain America <laughs> Uh, the reason they called him Captain America is because he's been a captain of his football team since high school and he's been a captain every, on every team he's played. So that in itself is, a, is an honor to, to put that C on your chest. And that C doesn't represent captain, it represents Christ, uh, in my opinion, when I see it on you. And the other thing is that uh, you were up for the Walter Payton Award this year for the Tennessee Titans. And that's an honor in itself for your teammates as well as the NFL to allow you to recognize that you can be after the sweetness um, oh, yeah. and run after the sweetness. So tell us what it's like to be a captain throughout the football team, what the responsibilities of that is, and uh, what is it like to be nominated, and why were you nominated for the um, for the Walter Payton Award? Uh, like I said, I've been a captain since high school, and it's just me being me. When I step into a room with my teammates, immediately I'm going to demand you to be better than what you are. And it's like, I expect you to do that of me. And it's like, when I step on that field, I'm going to give you my all and I'm going to lead you the way that you need to be led. And it's like, like I said, I love this game. So when I step on the field, like, I feel like as soon as I touch you, like, we're going to be great together. So it's just leading by example, you know, going that extra mile. And, and like you said, it, it really is Christ. Like, I even pray for that. Like, I, sometimes I feel selfish that I pray, God, please allow me to be a captain this year. But, hey, you know, that's that's his role. That's the way he sees me, and he wants me to be a captain. And, you know, being, being uh, the Walter Payton Man of the Year, I've been nominated for it three times in Denver, and I was nominated this past year in Tennessee. So this is my fourth time, and it's like a, a huge honor. 
and to me, I look at it as a competition to me and my teammates to make our community a lot better. And I'm a social work major. I have a, my own foundation, 16 Ways. So we work with at-risk kids, and we drop the term at-risk because now all of our children are at risk. You know, it's today's world. It's, they have so many different obstacles and distractions, a lot more than. And I'm 30, almost 32, and it's like I. I didn't have as many distractions as they have now. So we just work with kids and try to motivate them to be greater than what they think they are because someone came into my life at a point in time and put into me. You know, I can think of one guy that really changed my life. Man, he was, he's not blood related. He married my cousin. His name was Derek Kelly. And um, we were playing a state game in high school. And uh, someone someone was supposed to, I'm sure you guys can figure it out, as I told you when I was younger. Someone told me they were going to take me to the University of Kentucky, and they canceled on me last minute at 12 o'clock. We were supposed to drive back an hour and a half away from the game, got canceled on, and my cousin Derek was like, look, I'm not going to let you be like any other child in this city that has talent, that has all the ability, that's smart but doesn't have anybody that cares for him. I'm going to take you to school and we're going to get you into college. And he changed my life changed from that moment. I got my first offer and it was just like, I want these kids to know, like you may not believe in yourself and that's okay because just like you, I didn't believe in myself, but somebody came along and, and put, put some, some coins into my machine and kept me running and, you know, fed me with some words of, of, of wisdom. And it's just like, you have to do that. And I tell these rookies every year, like, if you're not trying to change this game for a positive, then you're being a negative in this game. So I try to share every life experience that I have because, for one, if I've been through it, I've, I look at it as if you don't need to go through it because I've been through it. So why would I hold my my um, – everything that I've been through, why would I hold that inside and not share it with anybody else? Hey, you got some nuggets, man. I wish I had a pen. I'd be writing some of that stuff down myself. You know, um, I'm going to flip some some gears here and ask you one of the, my favorite questions. Who's the funnest person you've ever knocked over and you just was like, Lord, forgive me, but that son of a gun really deserved it. Oh, uh, it's, it's a lot. Uh, let's see. <laughs> my, my, my first game, my first starting game, I had to go against Jamal Lewis and he he was like the biggest running back that I am. And matter of fact, I trained with him coming out of college and he didn't remember me when I got on the field. And I'm like, you don't, you don't remember me? He's like, no, get out, get out of here. You little, you little rookie. So I was, I enjoy hitting him, but, but after the game, I was quite sore. <laughs> and let's see. Um, I don't know if you guys remember back when the Pittsburgh Steelers played in the Super Bowl and James Harrison was the MVP and he was on punt team and a guy cut blocked him coming off a punt team so the following year I'm in Denver and we play the Pittsburgh Steelers and I'm lined up at our wing and I see James Harrison and I'm like oh my god this is the silverback oh what am I gonna do so I'm like in my head I flash back to the Super Bowl and I'm like the only way I can block this guy is I gotta cut him so I cut him and I immediately take off down the field and I hear James Harrison running behind me the whole time like rah, rah, I'm gonna get you <laughs> so that was probably one of my uh, one of my funnest moments in football so <laughs> Ha, <laughs> ha,
Oh, God. <laughs> that man scares me in my sleep. I see him. He looks like he just kill you. <laughs> Did he ever get you? He didn't catch me. I ran, I, ran, I ran out of the back of the end zone, around, around the mascot to the sideline. So <laughs> he didn't get me. <laughs> you know, this past year, I paid more attention to you than I probably ever have. And um, I've been praying for you because as you guys made it to the uh, championship game or were headed towards that goal, I actually prayed for you so often. And I would see the intensity in your face and um, like it or not I, I looked and I said man that's, that's the first time I ever saw Ray Lewis inside of you and that intensity that look just the way you're standing makes you look like if I'm I hope I'm asking the right question <laughs> you wouldn't hit an elder so <laughs> I'm praying about it anyway <laughs> um, you know when I see that intensity with inside of you what kind of what kind of emotion do you have to get to be able to get into that frame of work um, to know that you're going to go out and phys physically punish somebody but yet lo have the love of Christ in you when you hit them do you say you know, God bless you when you hit them or <laughs> Like I said, I'm going. I'm I'm using my gifts for God. So it's funny because when I, when I first got into the NFL, I kind of think of myself as being a child. Like I used to listen to all of this hardcore rap music and rock and roll music. Got little Ozzy Osbourne, just all kind of crazy things to get my mind mentally ready. Now. If you come in the locker room and you listen to my playlist, you'll be like, what the heck is he listening to? You know, I listen to a lot of jazz music before the game. So it's just like jazz music, Prince, uh, believe it or not, Prince gets me in a, in a real crazy mood. So <laughs> James Brown. So it's just like I just kind of like relax my mind and just, you know, like I said, I'm using my gifts to further God's kingdom. And. You're just just an obstacle in my way, so I got to go through you to uplift God's kingdom. So, <laughs> so it doesn't it doesn't mind doesn't mean anything to me when I go out there and I see a guy across from me. To me, he's just an opponent that I got to knock down. <laughs> awesome. How do you maintain your faith in the world of um, of, of high achievement? meeting a lot of people, uh, the glamour's all around you, money's all around you, women are consistently throwing themselves at you, because uh, they do it to me all the time. Um, so I just figure you're half my age, you gotta... <laughs> okay, back up. <laughs> How do you maintain your personal close relationship with Christ and say he's number one to me and uh, in, in that environment? It's it's completely rough. Uh, I don't know how it is in, in the working world, but in our locker room, the only thing that people want to talk about is cars, money, and women. And to me, you have to have to mature and, you know, be like, okay, I'm not going to talk about these things and just remove yourself. But uh, I think to me, something that keeps me grounded and keeps me humble as, as far as my walk with Christ is that I have a fellowship of brothers that, you know, I've assigned. Like I have a teammate by the name of Derek Morgan. I'm like, D. Morgan, if you ever see me doing something, check me. And I think like if I didn't have anybody like that in my life that would check me, then I would I would be doing what I want to do. And I learned that from a guy by the name of Brian Dawkins. He taught me, and I was like, B-Dawk, I'm like, how do you, how do you, if, if Brian Dawkins was a Hall of Fame safety, he'll be in the Hall of Fame this year, and he's just very intense all the time. He's on his toes, ready to go. If you see him right now, he'll walk up and be like, Wood, you got to get your arms bigger, God dog it. <laughs> and I've never seen this man curse, but 
if he can walk through Christ, and he always used to tell me, it's like, Woods, you have to guard your eyes. And I'm like, you have to guard your eyes, you're Brian Dawkins. You lead our team Bible studies. You don't go through the same struggles I go through. And this is what I'm saying. And he's like, yes, I do. He was like, it's harder for me because I'm held at a higher standard because I'm leading Bible studies. So the enemy is coming to me worse than they're coming to you. And sometimes, so it's like, he has a, a partner that checks on him, uh, Westbrook, that used to play running back in Philly. And he's like, I'm like, if Brian Dawkins has a partner that's going to check him, why shouldn't I try to do the same thing? So it's like I have a group of fellowship guys. We do Bible study. Um, we do chap chapel before uh, the game on Saturday night, sometimes Sunday. But I think the biggest thing is is not getting comfortable Um and not getting a, 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 your heart, allowing your heart to be hardened. And to me, um, one of the questions, I might be jumping ahead of the time, something, uh, intimacy with God this week, what happened to me. And it was like, um, I was listening to Charles, to Charles Stanley, and he had this message about hardening of hearts. And I skipped over it because I'm like, oh, my heart is not hard and I don't need to listen to that. But I came back to it the next day and listened to it because I was like, my brother, he's going through some things, and I feel like he's he has a, a heart that's been hard, and, and he can learn something from this. So I started listening to it. I'm driving. I have like a 25-minute drive to work, and I'm like, oh, he's talking about me. <laughs> he's talking about me, some of the things that I'm doing. And and something that I learned from it is, is just your heart is being hardened when you continuously disobey God. Like, one sin is equal to the other sin. If you're watching porn or if you're talking to another woman and you are allowing yourself to tell yourself in your mind, like, uh, it's okay, God will forgive me, and you continue to do it, then you're hardening your heart from that situation because God is showing you something that he doesn't necessarily, I mean, well, not necessarily, he doesn't want you to be doing, but in our minds, we're like, we can continue to do it. So I learned something from that message that, you know, God was using that through me, trying to get me to be more intimate for me. So how about we have Bible study on Wednesday, and one of the passages it says is beware of a hardened heart. And it's like, oh, yeah, God's definitely trying to sink that into me. So, <laughs> so just be aware of that and, and don't get comfortable in your situations that, you know, I can ask for forgiveness and God to forgive me. But at the same time, God wants us to mature and become men and advance from all our past situations that we mentally were as a child. So that's something that God has stuck with me this week. You know, you got all these NFL players and friends. They all got nicknames. And I told you to quit calling me pastor. So I want a nickname the next time we talk, you know. <laughs> AJ, AJ, you know, something. I got to be something cool. A-Dog. A-Dog, okay. A-Dog. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know, you've already said a couple of these things. And thank you. And I'm going to, we're going to do a Q&A session. You guys already had the questions. And for those of you who didn't do it, as uh, Ryan said when we first came in this morning, every Friday, the last Friday of the month, we always meet over the Garden Theater and we have a, a guest speaker, which I've asked Wes, and uh, I guess I should let let Ryan know now. I've asked Wes if he's available next year, if he can possibly come up and be one of our guest speakers. And I think he said, you said, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he's already told me. <laughs> he's already told me uh, that he would be able to do that. Uh, to come, so we talked about intimacy this week, and 
you know, one of the questions I asked everybody was, how is intimacy modeled for you as a child? And, um, and the other, one of the other questions is, how are you modeling it for your family today? And uh, what is God telling you that you need to get closer to? I shared a story with the guys a couple of weeks ago that my dad, when he was, I was young, he used to drive a tractor, farm tractor. And that farm tractor, uh, literally he would drive it on 434, 436. He would drive it to a Popkin. We lived in Longwood at the time, so it take him four hours to get to where he had to go do a job. But he would come home, and, and I'd hear that tractor roaring, and I would do everything I could to run as far and as fast, I mean, as fast as I could get to him to catch him out very far so that I could get a chance to ride with my dad. But then when I got older, I realized that I, I heard the tractor coming, and I got busy. I was like, oh, I've done that. Now I think my dad needs to move over. I need to drive the tractor because it would be more fun. So how do you run to the intimacy of Christ? And remind yourself, as you've already alluded to, but if you can dig, dig a little deeper in that, how do you make sure you stay focused on what God says, who he says it to, and the accountability people that you, uh, that you have inside of that? Can you give me a little more perspective of how you run that through your wife? Because most, a lot of us here are married, and how do you keep her engaged in that? Okay. Um, first off, my prayer life. My, uh, and I think that's something that I can improve on, my prayer life with God, because... Like, I, I try to pray at least uh, three times going to work, and I pray at night over my child. And, and sometimes, I know I'm not the only guilty one, I might fall asleep on a prayer at night. So that's why I try to get my prayers out early in the daytime. But definitely I can say my prayer life is a way that I can be more intimate with God because I can sit down and just, you know, listen to what God has to say. A lot of the times, like I, I used to tell myself, don't talk so much at God. Just give yourself a break and just listen to what he has to say. So I found myself doing that sometimes, just driving, and I'm like, Lord, just whatever it is that you want to speak to me, say say to me right now. And it'll be like the, the strangest things, like log off of Instagram. Don't look at Instagram. And I can say Instagram has blinded a whole generation of men. You know, we look at stuff and we think we we sometimes try to wish we can have that when we have a greater thing at the house and we don't even need any of that so it's just like God talks to me and I listen now and it's like I, I pray that all the time like God allow me to be able to listen to you and and to not be selfish and to not stand in your way and my my mother-in-law told me this and she was like and actually it was at church too and she always says it she was like roll away your stone you know move your stone away from your grave and it's like you have to move your stuff out of the way so God can work through you and it's like me and my wife we we um we pray together every week we, we try to pray together every night and I can say one thing that I have done like like um, I went to chapel and this guy was telling us that you know if you want your family to be strong then you need to get down on your knees and pray every morning when you wake up so I roll out of, that's the first thing that I try to do every day and I've been doing it for about two and a half years now my first year I missed some days you know I miss a day here if I'm running late and then I get to work and be like dang it I, I didn't pray. This is why my wife's upset with me already at eight o'clock in the morning. So, you know, just praying with your wife and um and I and I know I'm not the only one that uh 
you're doing everything great in the week, you know, and, and you're speaking to your wife on the phone, and, and all of a sudden you get blinded by something else, and then you lose, you get distracted, and your wife is, gets upset with you, and it's like, wait a minute, we just spoke 34 minutes, and you're mad about one minute that I get to, didn't get to talk to you. So it's like the devil tries to creep into every situation that we have, and it's like we just have to be more mature and understand that that's, that's his job. His job is to distract us from our ultimate goal of being intimate with our father and it's like we just as men we have to continue to search and be the leaders of our household so to go back to my family I've had enough bad examples to know what how to be a good example and it's like I had lived in the house with a stepfather rest in peace uh, he, he passed away last year that wasn't a great example to me so I've had you know these examples of how not to be a man and I don't want my children to see that you know I want my my kids to see a loving father I want my kids to see uh, their father you know when they run up they can run like it was the happiest moment I haven't seen been, been able to be home besides that Sunday of last week and my kids run and see me and go daddy and it's like that's how I want to be when I go to heaven like I want to run to heaven so and into my father's arms so I want to try to portray that on earth and it's like I want my kids to be excited be excited, happy and they they need to know and see a picture of love and if I'm not doing that with their mother then where they're going to see it at or if I'm not sharing that love with them then they're not going to see it so the worst thing to me as a as any athlete is that you can beat to your kid is you're just dad the football player or dad the basketball player I want to be a father I want to be a loving father that loves me like my kids they could care less about football. They want to receive the love and the attention from me. Like, it's three of them. They fight for my love. And to me, like, that's what I want. That's what I strive for because I know what it can do to a child that is searching for their father in the long run. Wow. Good stuff. Now you guys can see why I instantly became attached to this guy because it wasn't the fact that he was a football player because like I said he didn't play for the Dolphins so it really didn't matter but because I saw through what I'm hearing even more of and when he and I had lunch together one day and we started getting into some deeper conversation uh, this stuff started shining through so uh, I haven't switched my loyalty for my team he just told me that they're going to open up playing against the Dolphins so I'm kind of really torn as to should I be praying for him or should I pray for the other team my team um, I want to open this up too because there's questions that these guys may have and thank you for being so vulnerable for, for uh, answering these questions so uh, is there a question that one of you guys have uh, Jonathan I hope wherever you're sitting at Jonathan Sullivan's okay uh, Ryan when you got up Ryan right yes. uh, when you got up and uh, and spoke about the iron sharpening iron one of my favorite teammates was Tim Tebow and we were in San Diego, and it was a Monday night game, Monday, Sunday night game, and that was the speech that he gave us. And it's like, that was one of the greatest speeches ever. He got up and stood up. And Tim Tim and Brian Dawkins were two of the greatest speakers. For one, they could captivate a whole room and not say one curse word. And at the end of the day, they always brought Jesus into their story. And it was like, Tim got up, and he was like, man... As they say in the Bible, I believe that iron sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron, men sharpen men. So it's like everybody immediately rose up. And if you can remember that game, we go down 28 
to nothing at halftime. And Tim comes in the locker room all sweaty and all, like, just trying to get it together. He was like, man, remember what I told you. Remember the scripture. Iron sharpens iron. Men sharpen men. Let's go. And we had the largest comeback ever in the second half to win the game. And it was just like, to see to hear that, it just made me think of Tim. And it's like, I, ha- I had to say that because I would have just felt so bad if I would have walked out and I said, that was like one of my greatest football moments. So thank you for sharing that scripture. And that scripture like motivates me all the time. Thank you, sir. Anybody have a question that they just dying to uh, ask a, a football player? Oh, speak, right. speak up loud. Speak up loud. I, I just want to ask Rackpo and Will Compton. You have them. Have they, have they, do you interact with any of those guys? I'm a big Redskins fan, so I just want to throw that. Oh yeah, Rack, Rack is one of my. Uh, he asked about Brian uh, Rackpo and Will Compton. Will Will is now an inside linebacker with me, so right now he's starting beside me. And Brian Arakpo is like one of my favorite teammates now. It's like if I didn't have him at work with me, it would be so miserable at work. So, man, Rack is a, is a great guy, man, great guy to be around. And we kind of motivate each other to be good fathers too. <laughs> uh, the last year has really messed up. NFL has had to, a lot of black guys. And it's a wonderful sport. And – there's so many good things about it. What do you see? How are you able to help turn this back around to be, instead of something political, something that's really wonderful like it is? All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure you're speaking of all the protests and everything that's going on. I think the biggest thing is, is that no matter who you are, it all brought us on the same playing field now. It, it put us and it allowed us to have a platform to speak for, for a cause that you feel. And the thing about the NFL players is all of us support our troops. All of us rep- uh, support our first responders because we have family in the service. My, I had two uncles that served in the service, uh, the Marines. My father-in-law served in the, in the Marines as well. And it's like we all support a positive cause but at the same time it's like you know we didn't want to get to the point where you know we could possibly be on the front line of changing something for the future and that's what we were willing to do if people hate us then we're willing to do that because we would rather people hate us than to hate everybody else so it's like we were able to use our platform and to bring everybody on an equal playing field and have people listen to what we what we feel is right and at the end of the day it got our owners on board. And I think that was the biggest thing because athletes, we have so much power in this world to change things for a positive. And if nobody ever sees our athletes stand up for anything, then they're just going to continue to treat us as athletes. And that's something that we're not. We're men, we're fathers, we're lovers, we're brothers. And I think that was a great uh, way to show like what we stand for and what we believe for. But I don't. I'm, it'll be interesting to see if uh, people protest this year. I don't really expect to see that because we accomplished the goal as far as getting our owners on board with us and supporting our cause. Thanks, of course. So, on that same topic, you being an African American, I wouldn't look at you and automatically assume you play in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, to touch on that from a, from your perspective. Do you feel the racism? Have you ever felt like, wow, I was treated different because of my skin color to this day? Like if you didn't get out of Mercedes and you you were at the store, do you feel to this day that that 
Uh, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it's tough. Um, I grew up in LaGrange, Georgia, where I faced um, racism my whole life, where I was accused of stealing my 79 prime down box Chevy and, and almost got through into jail. So it's like you face that throughout your whole life. And um, I, matter of fact, I experienced some of the worst racism in my life uh, two years ago in Nashville, and I was in the same car, the same Mercedes, and a guy on a motorcycle, um, I accidentally, like, sped up and I cut him off, but I, like, gave him enough time to hit the brakes, so he pulled up beside me and uh, cut me off, got off his motorcycle, and I'm on my way to get my kids, and I'm, and, like, this is why I say God sent my wife because in my head I could hear her telling me like be smart like don't do anything stupid so he calls me a racial slur and in my head I kind of laughed at it because I was like well that was kind of quite clever I've never heard that before so <laughs> it's kind of quite clever I might have to use that in locker room so and it was just like to to see that it kind of like touched me because like you know I treat everybody the same, and I feel like we're all the same, especially if you believe in Jesus Christ. Like, there's nobody bigger or smaller than anybody. We're all the same, but we still face it to this day, and I think the thing is is that we have to continue to shine light in a dark place, and that's just something that's that's challenging, and, and I think... I had a coach that say, um, to, that tell us like, you know, wow, I didn't know you guys were being treated that way. And it's like, to me, that's the most ignorant thing to say because you know, you're aware of things that are going on. You're aware of different advances in life. So it's like just shining a light in a dark place is a big thing for me. Thanks for your I question. Know that, I know that, uh, football I use I use God as my platform. Like if a kid is it looks up to me immediately I do a lot of speaking engagement with children, so it's like the first thing I want them to know is, is that I'm not here because of me. I'm here because of God. And and I don't want to, I don't want to just keep saying that because I'm in a Christian environment, but this is really how I am. Like, I don't want kids to know, like I made it in the NFL by myself. For one, that would be an absolutely lie, <laughs> like a complete boldface lie. Like I had people that helped me achieve and reach my dreams and I was blessed. So it's like, when I speak to kids, I want them to you know, understand my path in life, how I got to where I got and the steps that it took me to get there. Like I didn't, I didn't accomplish this by myself. So when I speak to kids, like I would rather them look up to me than to look up to some of these other guys. And, you know, not, like I said before, every sin is the same, but to me, like, I feel like I've been a great enough example to where I can lead kids and, and lead them down the right path. One last question. So I couldn't always hear what was going on in the room. Um, so the protest, were you part of that? Uh, I was. Um, I, I personally didn't kneel. He asked, was I a part of the protest? I personally didn't kneel because I just didn't like the kneeling thing, but I raised my fist up as as in unity as uh, with my brothers. And, you know, I stood on the forefront as getting um, – reform bills passed in Nashville and on a national level. So 
Just because I didn't kneel doesn't mean I didn't stand for the cause, but I was there on the front line fighting. I'm part of the justice reform system uh, in D.C. and in Tennessee. We've had um, reform bills passed for bonds, uh, different bills passed about changing the, um, gosh, what was the recent one, about um, getting getting the like mandatory sentence dropped down in Tennessee for uh, teenagers. So, so it's a lot of things. So, so uh, my next question was just, do you think the original... Where it started, how it all got started, got watered down by the media, and the actual, the actual reason of everything got lost. The media definitely took it and spun it the way that they wanted to spin it. And it was, it immediately took it from a fighting cause to change for something positive to immediately changing it to something negative. And like I said, we all wanted to put everybody on an equal platform to change the actual things that needed to be changed in his life because it's hard walking down the street as a black man and that's just what we wanted to get people to see and you know just to get things in our community equal and allow us to have an equal playing field and to be successful and I think like I said like we we brought more attention to things that needed to, that were maybe once overlooked and now they're not overlooked they can't be overlooked anymore. I got to, I can ask questions for them. I know you can. I, we want to stay to our time. I want to, I want to ask you personally, uh, if this is okay with you, uh, two things. I want to close this in prayer, and I want to pray for you um, as we pray for each other, everyone here. But I want to pray specifically for you. I want to be able to pray specifically for you that you will be able to continue the platform that God has given you and blessed you with for the causes that he's brought you to. He's the one that's given you the physical talent. Yeah, he brought people along with you to be able to make that happen to you. So I want to pray for you at the end of that. I want to leave a little time for that. <clears throat> but as we also know, the NFL stands not for long. Right. And so uh, there's going to be a time where you're going to be a little too old to play this game, and you'll be on the couch with the rest of us saying he should have hit that guy. Um, I want to sit next to you when it happens. <laughs> what's next? Uh, what's next? For me, I've, I've been contemplating whether I want to be in the coaching, whether I want to continue to, you know, use my platform and speak to kids with something that I'll definitely be doing. But uh, over the past few years, I've had the opportunity to go into a broadcast boot camp, which is basically they bring in all of the NFL, not all of them, about a group of 20 NFL guys in front of CBS, Fox, ESPN, Big Ten Network, and you're pretty much putting on a, um, a showcase of your skills to try to get hired. So I think that's something that I've been wanting to do, and I think that's where God is leading me to do, you know, be able to be out in front and to speak for those who can't speak. And I think that's something that I'm loving and I'm becoming like more comfortable with understanding like, hey, maybe this is something that I'm really going to enjoy doing. So probably you'll see me on the TV and trust me, I want Jamal Lewis you and I remember anybody's face. <laughs> <laughs> As we started out this time, uh, the first of the month, we started out with intimacy. And intimacy is to be able to open the word and to get to know the Father better. We started out by looking at God's word and, and saying, what are you trying to say to me, Lord, that I can have that moment with you that I know that I know that I know you. One of the things that, um, that, that has helped has been a part of this day for me and I hope for you guys is that the next time you see Wesley on the field, you'll have a bit of an intimacy with him because you've seen him. You've been able to see his face. You've been able to hear his voice. And so he's no longer just a football player to you. He's somebody that you've met, and you can say, I've met this man. He's no different than you or I. He just gets to play a game that we all enjoy doing and we enjoy watching uh, that we spend our Sundays with. And uh, 
either cussing at or loving. Joe's saying he doesn't watch football. He's the only one in the room. But, <laughs> Wes, I, I, I want to thank you for coming here. I want to thank you for being uh, my friend. Uh, thank you for allowing me to speak into your life and vice versa, you speaking into my life. Thank you for the way I've seen you model the love that you have for your wife. Uh, thank you for the love that I've seen the way you modeled your kids and how you keep them from, hey, now stop running in the road. You can't do that, son. You know, I've seen those type of things with you, and I've had the, the privilege of talking to you on the phone and talking to you uh, via text, and I will continue to do so. And I'm even more committed to praying for the kingdom to be um, lifted up through your platform that God has given to you. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna ask us to close, and I'm going to ask my pastor, who is here with me today, if he will come up and uh, be one of the people that will pray over you. And if you guys will join, um, uh, this is Dale Ward, and I go to Discovery Church. And uh, this is, a, just so you guys know, there's about 30 to 40 churches that are represented here. And so this is not a single denominational church. And what we desire to do is for you to take this information. Whether you are a part of a church or not, uh, you can take this information, and you are a part of a church and put your name on it. It's not about the, the branding of Iron Man. It's about the branding of who Christ has made you and I to be. And we're to go out and be lights on a hill that men can see his glory through us. And men can say, I want to strive to know what that person knows. Not that they need to be like Wesley Woodyard. That they don't have to be like somebody else, but they want to be like the man he represents. And so along with that, I'd like you guys, if you would just join us in prayer. Um, from, my, from my side, I've got my pastor here, and I've got my chief of police, so i like them both to be on either side. Dave, if you don't mind being on the other side of this young man. And um, we'll pray for him and close this thing out. After Ryan has a couple things to say, I'm sure after we are done praying, you want to say it beforehand or you're done? Uh, gentlemen, thank you for coming here today, and give it up for Wes. He said that he can answer questions all day long, so uh, he's got about 4 o'clock. He's got to check in at 6 o'clock, from my understanding, to work out. Um, so he will stick around for a few minutes if you do want to have a couple questions. And um, uh, Wes, it's an honor to, to uh, adorn your jersey. It's not about the pride for you. It's about what you stand for. And I consider you a friend, and I look forward to the many years to come to, to getting to know you. So would you be blessed by the prayers that these two gentlemen will pray over you and uh, for God's blessing and safety for you? <clears throat> Father, thank you for the time we've had this morning to be encouraged, um, to be uh, inspired, uh, motivated. Uh, it's... Um, it's a blessing um, to be able to sit here today and to affirm everything that, that I've seen in Wesley's life just as a, a humble man who serves his uh, wife and his family, uh, faithful to his church, and just so so grateful for the man that he is. Um, we, we do ask that you would continue to uh, bless him in a way that uh, you would allow his platform to increase so that, as he said, he could um, use that platform for your glory, that he could use that, that platform would be used to build your kingdom. We pray for your, your protection on him and around him and pray that you would uh, continue to use his testimony. Uh, I want so many outstanding things that he said, but the, the one where he talked about how the enemy's number one job is to distract us from intimacy with the Father. 
God, may we, may we uh, be reminded of that truth for each and every one of us, that that is absolutely what the enemy endeavors to do. So I pray that you bless uh, Wesley in this upcoming year uh, as he leads. Uh, the men on his team as he uh, leads in uh, the community there in Tennessee as well as here in Orlando for his nonprofit and what they're doing to uh, work with children and with families for the passion that you've given him. Pray that you would bless him in that. Thank you for him, uh, for who he is, for his relationship with Andy, for Andy being a guy who's always on the lookout for others to encourage and the relationship that has been built between he and Wesley. Uh, again, we just ask for your, your continued favor and blessing that Wesley will continue to be a shining light uh, everywhere that you take him in Jesus' name. Deborah, Father, we first and foremost thank you for the blessings in our life and thank you for the group of men that are here and thank you for this man, Wes, that came in today and, and poured into our hearts, Lord. We want to uh, ask that you lift him up and that you bless him and and uh, that, you, that you love on him and love on his family. And we know that not only is he in the NFL, Lord, that... Uh, You've placed him in a position, a captain position, to to lead over other men and and other fathers and and uh, people that are going to be leaders in our future, Lord. So we ask that you lift him and you bless him, that you pour out your love upon him, and that you uh, make sure that he knows each and every single day, whether things are great or whether things are horrible, that God, that you love him deeply. Uh, it's in your heavenly name we pray, Lord. Amen. Amen.